Welcome to the Ivy Church Podcast. Hello Ivy Church. Hello Ivy Church. Welcome to Ivy Church. Yamba Jamba. Karibuni Kalisani Ivy Church. Good to see you. Welcome to Ivy Church. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Hi Ivy Manchester, it is great to be with you and for those that can't see me in person then I hope this blesses you on recording. We're going to read uh, Psalm 23 again today, you've been in that series and we're looking at verse 3. My name is Sarah Jane Biggert and it is my joy to be with you. Let's pray. Father we thank you for this opportunity to be together, to look at your word that illuminates, that brings us life. And Lord, that your word is bread to us, that feeds us, that nourishes us, that opens our eyes and brightens them. And so, Lord, we pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would speak to us individually and together as your body, as your church. Thank you, Jesus. So let's read together Psalm 23, if we may. Turn to your scriptures, if you have it there, or your phones. God, to read the word as regularly as we can. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There is goodness, family, meaning an abundance, beauty, precious provision that is bountiful and joyful, filled with loving kindness that carries fragrance and favor to us who trust in the Lord. Surely, certainly, absolutely 100% God's goodness along with his perfect mercies that according to his word here don't just follow us around like our pet dog follows us around you know the kind that are at your heel wherever you go we just got a new puppy and she loves to be at heel not wanting to miss out on anything nor do they follow us around like our shadow does with ease on a sunny day No, not that kind of following you. The original language here means his goodness literally and actually physically chases us down, runs after us until it catches up with us and blesses us. The Lord's goodness poured over our heads like oil, never ending, overflowing like the anointed miraculous provision oil that Elijah kept pouring into the widow's empty pots. But this goodness 
It never stops ever for all our days, for all our lives. <laughs> you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows as long as we are yielded open vessels to receive them. His goodness and mercy is promised here, not only in a temporary or fleeting way, but forever as the original language expounds for all the days of my life, your life, from sunset to sundown until we enter our permanent eternal rest with the Lord. Confirmation of this principle of the Lord's outpouring goodness is found in Nahum 1, 7. The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. That's Lamentations 3.25. Who knew there was something good in Lamentations? His goodness is the fruit of our walking as children of the light. Ephesians 5 verses 8 and 9. For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So what might goodness and mercy mean to you? If God were to say to you right now, I want to chase you down with my mercy and goodness, what might that look like in your life? Mercy might mean a space between you and a loved one who's causing you pain and distress. It might mean a literal judicial judgment being abstained or overturned. Obviously, the greatest of all of these we all get to enjoy and live freely in would be Jesus overturning the effects of our sin, the ultimate mercy where we don't get what we deserve. The example of mercy directly related to prayer I love in scripture is when in the book of Isaiah chapter 38, King Hezekiah is dying. And Isaiah the prophet comes in to give the official word of the Lord that he has come to the end of his life. But God's heart was turned towards the king. And when Hezekiah, hearing this word, almost like the, the, the summary judicial end of life decree, he cries out to God with his heart of brokenness at the news, asking for a reprieve, praying in summary, Lord, I've always been faithful to you. What did I do to deserve death now? The Lord hears and receives the king's prayer, overturning this reality. Not only does the king have 15 years added to his life, the Lord sends a sign of the sun going backwards to illustrate time being turned back, gears rewound. God is faithful and his mercies, and they are new every morning. If you need God's mercy in a situation, I encourage you, friend, to ask God to intervene. Remembering the words of James, we have not because we ask not. Let's make sure we ask and decree with expectation. Thank you, Father, that your mercies and goodness are chasing me down in this area of my life. Without limit. The Lord is so very, very generous and good to all. He gives good gifts to his children. You know how sometimes we like to surprise friends and family with gifts. We think are great and they're not as convinced. Like you spend ages thinking of a wonderful present and expecting the said loved one to be overjoyed on the unwrapping and they kind of do that. Oh, that's lovely. 
my nanny used to give me Terry's chocolate orange from my being little at Christmas every year until she died at 90. And I didn't like the flavor of orange and chocolate, never have together. But because I was brought up to be polite, I said thank you every year. And I <laughs> I was given one. And every year I was given one. And my dad ate it. But I have grown up and I've learned to be more vocal. But then sometimes we are given gifts and they don't initially feel like one we want or even need. The Lord gave me the beautiful gift of time in a sabbatical last year. From May last year, weeks and some months later, I was resting and learning to rest in the Lord with little instruction from him other than to keep my head down with him in rest and prayer. It came suddenly without much warning and it was a hard stop, like the emergency brakes had been put on my life. Stopping work and moving into full rest was hard some say it should have been easier than I found it. Difficult to stop and inhale for weeks after being 100 miles an hour a lot of the time for years. Full diary, scheduled meetings and demands. At the beginning, it was very challenging for me because in stopping all of one's own thoughts, emotions and things that had been happily dormant in the inner life, suddenly had the opportunity to be heard and demand my attention. Nevertheless, over time with the Lord's grace, he who is the Lord of the Sabbath helped me with perseverance to enter into true rest with the him who gives true peace. Peace that is solid and holds no matter the circumstances. The way of John 15, abiding in Christ, that in time bears fruit and can be seen. To be honest, it was so challenging to not do anything, that it looked remotely productive after being used to lots of busyness. I'd always been good at taking rest days in the week, I thought, and regular holidays and retreats, but this was getting so extended, I was struggling. I didn't know how long this period was going to be when it started. One of the weeks into the third month of sabbatical, I was on the Amalfi Coast in Italy on a planned special family holiday to celebrate our son's 21st and my mom's 80th birthdays. We hadn't been abroad together for many years and were having a wonderful time. It was a fabulous day. The sun was shining and the view over the Bay of Naples was beautiful. It couldn't have been a more perfect day. As I swam in the cool water off the beautiful pool overlooking the Bay of Naples, idyllic it was, peace all around. I can remember this irritating, gnawing feeling of agitation rising inside me. And I felt in that moment of perfection, surely, Lord, I should be doing something more productive than this. Basically, is it okay for me to keep resting, Lord, floating about in the sun, doing what seems like nothing at all useful for weeks? I feel like I should be doing something and producing something. Is this really okay, enjoying myself this much? Remember, this is my third month of sabbatical that was unexpected and I was getting jittery. Can anyone relate? This thought got louder and louder inside me. Loud and clear, I heard him answer with love in his voice. Do I not give good things to those I love? I could literally feel his pleasure 
as he himself enjoyed the moment, and I just wept at his goodness. Not only was it enough to rest, it was more than enough to enjoy this beautiful holiday. In fact, it would have been super ungrateful if I'd refused this gift, and I realized this as he shared his heart a lot towards me. And I was really quick to apologize for not fully understanding the gift of time with family and friends he had given me so generously without angst and chose in that moment to enjoy my holiday and subsequent weeks of sabbatical as it turned out another very many months to go. I thank the Lord for his overflowing generous blessings over me and our family and got on with enjoying his tangible goodness. Has that ever happened to you? When you feel like you're enjoying a moment of peace, beauty, reading a book perhaps, or having an afternoon snooze, taking a thoughtful, slow coffee break, and then the nagging voice of, you could or should be doing something more productive with this time, comes in to spoil cutting that moment of bliss short. Or is that just me? Our Father God himself, who, Psalm 103, 5 says, satisfies your years, your life, our years, our life with good things so that our youth is renewed, your youth is renewed like the eagle. Have you ever thought the Lord might want to give us his good gift of time, of rest, or even a holiday, perhaps early retirement or a part-time working week, a golf day, a spa day, a long-distance trip to see family. He may delight to give you your wildest dream for yourself and your loved ones. Or have you thought about his goodness only in terms of spiritual things? And you're really thinking, is this okay, Lord, to be doing less? Many of us only do less when we're sick because we're forced to not do anything. But Matthew 7, 11 says, If you then, us, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? God gave me this surprise gift of nine months of sabbatical, and I look on it with great joy now and thankfulness. During it, I had time with my family, holidays in Italy and the Scottish Islands. I took my mom to Stratford-on-Avon to see live Shakespeare plays as a birthday gift one of her favorite things to do, actually, and a dream come true for her post-COVID, and one she and my late dad even enjoyed together on their honeymoon. Things you want to do on your honeymoon may not include going to see Shakespeare plays live. My husband, who's a super keen gardener and a massive fan of Monty Don from Gardener's World on BBC, had this dream for decades to go to the Chelsea Flower Show. And this sabbatical year happened to be the one we were able to go and become this surprise sabbatical in his final. Is our father not good? Oh, good. I had lots of weeks of reading, reading and prayer. No weeding. I slept a lot. Sleep is very holy, by the way. A gift God gives to those he loves. And I've learned the gift of resting in him. Some specific mercies in that time alongside his goodness were numerous, including my relationship with my cousin blossoming again because we had lingering time to spend together on the phone and in person. After some years of conflict, I recently witnessed my mom and her sister in their 80s reconcile in peace and forgiveness. 
which was beautiful. Love truly be stronger than the grave. He is so kind and so good, and his mercies are chasing you and your family down, my friend, as he is ours. Psalm 107.9 says, But he has satisfied the thirsty soul and the hungry soul, and he has filled with what is good. James 1.17 Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting. God loves to give us good things in all sorts of forms, some things we might even think are even worldly. Months off work, holidays in Italy, seems a bit extravagant, don't you think? She should be working and earning her living. Getting out and sharing the gospel. You're meant to be a minister, aren't you? Don't we pay your wages? It's a bit of a joke, but actually, not that funny. We were visiting my husband's uncle's church recently where one of the full-time pastors was going off on their fully funded seven-month sabbatical, another sign for us of God's mercies and goodness to spend time with Uncle Jim in April. He was nearing 90 years old and lives in Florida, which he blessed Ali and I with. I know many may uh, think I've had my goodness quota hearing all of this, what? Oh no, wait a minute. There's no end to God's goodness that's chasing us down, folks. You could tell in this visit of this church, this particular pastor had prayed a lot about their time off and planned it well. It looked very different to mine. It was a surprise on me. They knew theirs was coming. Grants had been given to pay for it, included walking an ancient pilgrim route in Europe with a friend. Holidays were happening in the mix, as well as reading and study. A gentleman sat behind us, was getting more and more apoplectic hearing her plans. He was obviously irritated, not just by the minister sharing the sabbatical plan, but that they were going at all. His sighs, disapproving touch and protestations got louder and louder until my husband, Alistair, who's never afraid to make a point, by the way, turned round and gave him a glare and a shush, embarrassing the poor chap's wife further that she got up to walk out with him, running fast behind. Wasn't funny, really, because the religious spirit prefers that we are kept busy and, if possible, worn out in the process of doing good. Locked into that hamster wheel of the never-ending task before us, especially when they pay your salary. And this might be true also in your context. Uh, you may be weary even in doing good. Oh, sorry. Just remember that Anthony is on sabbatical and I'm sure you're all delighted because you will all benefit hugely from his time away. I could be embarrassed about God's generosity to me personally and us as a family, especially this year. But if I was, I think I would be offending our father who has given everything that is good to me don't you? And I believe the Lord is saying, be free, be unlocked, enjoy the good things I'm giving you and want to give you. Come out of those prisons of doing good and wearing yourself out. If you don't feel you're experiencing God's goodness yet, let me encourage you further to ask in accordance with Matthew 7 11. 
The Lord desires to give you, you personally watching this right now, his child, good things and mercies that are good, that bless you and give you joy. How much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Maybe it's time for you to ask. He wants to bless you, overly abundantly bless you with good things. And the religious spirit is offended by that. In this context of God chasing us down with his goodness, pouring out his gifts of love upon us, let's think about this verse that I'm sure you know really well. John 10.10, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. This is great news. Jesus is saying to us all, I came to give you fullness of life, abundant life. The word is perisos, E-E-R-I-S-O-S, perisos, meaning life beyond measure, exceedingly, abundantly, superfluous, an overflow of abundant life. Jesus didn't say, I came that you and I could have more abundant ministry, religious practices, meetings in church, Bible studies, prayer lives even. There are scriptures that speak to us about the importance of these, and they are crucially important. Prayer, meeting together, reading the word, so crucial. But here Jesus said he came for us to have more abundant life beyond measure now and in the age to come. He is the Lord, our shepherd, and we will not lack anything ever. So may I suggest that if any of us feel shortchanged on life, or even perhaps that Christianity spoils our fun, or maybe even that we all have to live small, contained, work-filled, overburdened lives, then please hear these truths from Scripture and God's heart for you today. Life in its fullness is waiting to be grasped and lived, and the Lord, who is our shepherd, wants to run after us now with his goodness and mercy. Maybe it's time that we slow down and receive it. Maybe it's time to take up a new hobby or plan a trip or explore what fullness of life means for you. It's time to ask the Lord how he's chasing you down. In accordance with Psalm 23 particularly, his goodness is partially the fact that he gives us that table of victory to sit at in the presence of our enemies who have to watch us eat with the Lord and with those who sit at our table with us. Who do you want sitting at your table of victory the day it's given? Have you ever thought about that? Many of you will overcome multiple times in your walk as Christians. And each time he prepares the table for you and those who fought with you to sit in victory and feast. Perhaps there are those who are were in the battle with you, those who cheered you on and along as you fought the good fight together. Perhaps there are others the Lord would send to be with you once you arrived in your place of victory, oil poured on your head, anointed for purpose. Those people who together with you are God's house. Verse 6 says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
in this place of abundant life provision, goodness, we get to live with each other in the house of the Lord forever and ever. That's now. And I believe the Lord is giving us all an invitation to love that house where he dwells as David prayed, to love not just the Lord's presence, but the house in which he abides. That house is us, is you and me. Not the type of building that we meet in as church on Sunday, not man-made fired bricks, but stones made by God's own hand, hewn from the same rock as our precious, beautiful cornerstone, Jesus Christ. The living stones fitted together, much like a dry stone wall, each one perfectly curved and angled. And even though some might be fairly unusual shapes and sizes, each are uniquely designed, holding the fabric of the Lord's house together. First Peter 2 confirms this to us in the context of Psalm 23. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted, the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So if we're living for eternity with each other from now on, we better choose to love one another and allow the Lord to gather us and position us as he chooses. It seems when we read Psalm 23 that it is almost circular in reading like some poems are. Have you ever thought that? You have all been studying this for a few weeks like me. Perhaps it's felt like it does go on and on, round and round. I mean, you could start reading it at verse 6, proclaiming as we have the goodness and mercy of the Lord will follow us and all the days of our lives. And then continue, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and so on until the end. Or perhaps even start at verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll feel no evil and keep reading on back to verse 4. Try it later. It still makes sense and flowly like a psalm should, and it still even reads like a poem might, has the same message and the revelation and information we need, doesn't it? We could take the information and revelation as a list of verses, but if we do that, I think we're missing the big picture. Because Jesus, the Lord, who is the good shepherd, is the one leading us. That is the key. When he leads us and we follow him, we <laughs> lack nothing ever. Perhaps we like the thought of him leading us beside quiet waters where we can have rest, like he gave me, bringing our soul into restoration. That's wonderful and good. But I don't think we've given much joyful thought to the fact he also leads us through righteous paths for his name's sake, including the path through the valley of the shadow of death. Do you lead us into Death Valley, Jesus? Don't know if you've ever been to the actual Death Valley in California. I haven't, but our son Thomas was there for a few weeks with work earlier in the year. 
And he said it was so unbearably hot, dry, sandstorms and barren terrain, a, a truly harsh environment and not a place where much life flourishes. Jesus, really? We know from the word of God, those who overcome death and trial will be victorious, even those who are led into the valley of death. For example, in the letters to the churches in Revelation 3 and 4, we learn that the victorious ones, those who persevere under trial, receive not only a table to sit at in the presence of their enemies, but also an eternal reward and crown. We're also advised that the one who is victorious will not be hurt by the second death. By the way, in free reformation, the second death is the sulfurous fire written off in Revelation 21, reserved for the idolaters, faithful, faithless, cowards, murderers, sorcerers, liars, and fornicators. Please, Lord, may we be all <laughs> who are victorious and not go through that second death. So it seems. In God's kingdom economy, we have to face a challenge first before we receive the victory, perhaps even enter into Christ's suffering to reflect more of him. In light of Psalm 23, if the Lord is leading us on his path of righteousness for his name's sake and through the valley of death, have we considered that the invitation to walk with the Lord into eternal victorious life is first into death, then burial? And finally, resurrection into life, now through the cross. But, you say, Jesus already died for me, so I don't have to. Indeed, he was nailed to a cross. He died and was buried in a tomb. Until on that third day, was restored to life and resurrected, transformed, fully alive, fully alight, transfigured. Before fullness of life comes fullness of death. Our baptism into water is a prophetic sign and powerful spiritual reality when we are literally immersed in the spirit, when heaven shouts over us, death, the flesh, as the body is for a time beneath the surface of the water, just as the body might go into the ground, and yet we come out alive in Christ, born again by the spirit of God born again from death. Last year, early April 2022, just before the Lord called me into the immediate sabbatical, I heard the Lord say to me very clearly, get ready to walk through the valley of death again. And if you'd like to hear more about that journey into death, please join us at this evening's service. <laughs> I promise there's a good ending and an amazing invitation us all. I believe there's a choice before us all at this time as children of God to enter into death to self and move through into greater measure of abundant life now. To walk in his mercies and goodness that are revealed now as he shapes and fits together as living stones all of us to be the house where he and we dwell together and it is for all who love and trust in the Lord, who is our good shepherd. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, that you shepherd us to refreshment, abundant life, beauty, precious, 
and good things, that you lead us through danger and death into victory, shaping us into your own home. So we agree with the saints of all ages and say, Come, Lord Jesus. Lead us through, Lord, so that we may be ready for your return and until you come, reflect the illuminating life that is life and fullness for the world to see you. Glorify your name, Lord, and lead us. You're aware. Amen. Amen.